Welcome everybody to the Friar Talk podcast. Today we are here and we're going to be talking about a couple of things. We're going to talk about Luis Compensano. We're going to be doing kind of a stock up video going over some of the guys that have really done well in spring training. But first we have Ryan on and Ryan's going to give a quick Josh Hader update. So Ryan, go ahead, man. All right. Well, thanks for having me back. Um, it's been a couple weeks since I came on here and I probably uh, got a lot of people pretty excited. I talked about a, a deal that was being discussed for Josh Hader. The talks were getting pretty serious. They, uh, they were, they were heating up more than they were before. And now two weeks later, nothing, it's just completely fallen off a cliff. And I'm sure a lot of you listening have probably seen some articles about it from uh, Ken Rosenthal and Dennis Lynn to name a couple people. So I'm going to kind of, wrap that all up and explain what I know and what I've been able to find out since. So just kind of overall, the issue here that's keeping the deal from happening is the Brewers want too much. And it's the same story that it was earlier in the off season and in past off seasons when AJ Preller tried to get Josh Hader, who he's really interested in. You probably saw in Ken, Ro uh, Ken Rosenthal article from about two weeks ago that he said, Talks between the Brewers and the Padres were dead. I believe he would be referring to those talks that I said on the last podcast happened right around the end of 2020, right before we signed Mark Melanson. Um, he didn't mention a, a couple names. Tim Hill was one of the names he mentioned, and that was the guy um, I said a couple weeks ago was the Brewers' main piece of interest. Now we can see why, because he struck out pretty much everyone he's faced in spring training. Uh, Jake Cronenworth was another name that was brought up by the Brewers. I do remember hearing that, but I didn't mention it because I that didn't get very far. Obviously, if you ask the Padres for Jake Cronenworth, you're going to get laughed at. You know, um, The other names they were interested in, just to name a few, were uh, Joe Musgrove, which wasn't going to happen, uh, Tuku Pita Marcano, uh, Reggie Lawson, and they did ask about Adrian Morihone too, off the top of my head. Then if you remember after that, we engaged in some uh, some three-team trades, tried to line something up there. And last week when we did the podcast, I was really excited because I was told that there was some framework in place. We kind of had you know something to work with more than we did when there was two-team discussions. You know, that third team would have been sending a solid MLB piece to Milwaukee. Milwaukee would be sending Josh Hader us, and we would be sending prospects to that third team. The issue was that even when we got to that point, the Milwaukee Brewers still wanted way too much. They wanted that solid MLB piece. They also still wanted Tim Hill, and they wanted two or three prospects within our top 12, and that's just not happening. There's no way this deal can work until the Brewers decide that they're willing to come down and asking price. And as of right now, that's not happening. So while Ken Rosenthal, that trade he was referring to where the talks are dead, that wasn't necessarily the most recent talks. I'd be willing to say for the time being, those talks are dead as well. And I don't think we see a trade happen until a, at least the trade deadline and probably even beyond that because the Brewers asking price is delusional. It does make sense. Like when you kind of look back on it and go like, okay, Josh Hader is a very elite player, but you don't want to be selling the farm for him, especially now. I feel like 
after watching some of the spring training games, guys like Adrian Morahone, if he ends up becoming that two inning guy in the bullpen and you know a late a late inning guy, and there's a couple other guys that we'll get into later here, but you have a lot of arms now, and I feel like they I feel like the Padres are just a little bit more comfortable about their bullpen than they were before spring training. So maybe that plays a factor as well. But so you kind of like said it real quickly, but do you think that there's a chance that any type of move is made at the trade deadline? For a hater, I mean, anything can happen. It's really going to depend on the situation. Um, I'll give some examples right now. Two of the names that the Brewers were particularly interested in and was in those deals where there was framework in place were Tim Hill and Tucapita Marcano. And those two guys are two of our top performers in spring training. We're going to get into that later on. But if their stock continues to rise, that gets us closer to a deal because those two guys aren't necessarily, you know, they don't really have that solid of a spot and they can be consolidated to go get someone who would definitely have a spot. So that could change things as well as you don't know how the Brewers are going to perform this year. They have a lot of fringe players on their, on their team. Uh, we face them today. They're starting lineup. They have Travis Shaw at third base. That wasn't a good choice. They paid the price for that pretty bad today. He made like five errors. And this is a team that it could look decent on paper, but they could completely fall apart and they could be sellers come the deadline. They have a really weak farm system. They could easily be pressured into making a trade come this trade deadline. It just depends on where we're at, where the players they want from us are at, and where the Brewers are come um, you know, the trade deadline. Oh, well, yeah, I appreciate you kind of giving a quick update, but let's move on to our next segment. So for this segment, we are going to be talking about players that we feel have earned a stock up this spring training. The guy that I want to bring up, Adrian Morahone, he is just a fantastic player. Uh, he's he's someone that is really special in my mind. Uh, so far in spring, he's only pitched seven innings. He has 10 strikeouts, and he has a 2-5-7 ERA. I, I feel that he has kind of earned himself that sixth spot if they do decide to go with the six-man rotation at the beginning of the year, which I do believe they will. The other person I thought that was really like vying for that spot right now, um, and it's probably a little bit different than other people, but I did think that Ryan Weathers was the guy that was really fighting for that sixth spot. I didn't think it was Mackenzie Gore quite yet. I think it was between those two guys. And I think Morahone has, at least up to this point, won that spot. Um, of course, things can change. And maybe Mackenzie Gore is really in the mix. I just don't feel like he's quite there yet. I think that they want to wait a little longer before they bring him up. But that's my guy, Adrian Morahone. Stock up on him. Morahone, I feel like he's talking kind of been going up since uh, last season, you know, he's been really solid all throughout. And if we don't get Hater, that's kind of like our in-house option when it comes to a player that can be like Hater coming out of the bullpen, uh, just dominant. But Matt's right. I definitely think he can buy for that sixth spot. And if, you know, even if they don't go with that six-man rotation, he's going to be such a good bullpenner. Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed about Maury Hone this, uh, this past start, and I really thought was a difference maker for him compared to last season was – he landed his curveball for a lot of strikes. And I remember watching him last year, and his fastball was good. He did his spots with his fastball. But where he'd get himself into trouble was he'd start throwing his curveball, and it would just go way out of the zone, like like by two or three feet. He'd always be hitting it in the dirt, and he'd get himself behind in the count, and he'd have to throw a fastball right over the heart of the plate. He gave up a, like a lot of home runs last year, 
for a guy who throws as hard as he does. And I think that was the problem is he'd put himself into, uh, into situations where he'd have to throw bad pitches. And you saw his last outing. Yeah, he had that leadoff home run to Marte. I mean, it's the first pitch of the game. You don't really expect that. But after that, he was really mixing his fastball and curveball well, and he was throwing it for strikes. He got a lot of swings and misses on his changeup, which is really his strikeout pitch, in my opinion. He just looks completely different, and I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully he keeps improving. Uh, he's only 21. But Chase, who's a guy that you feel has their stock rising right now? That would be Tucapito Marcano. I mean, after today's game, he had two hits. He's hitting 429 with a 1214 OPS. And he's looking like he could force the Padres' hand and maybe opening up a bench spot for him with Kim struggling. They could probably send him down to the minors to get some season and just see what he has. And, I mean, his just stock is rising up as a prospect. Like Ryan was talking about earlier, you know, he could be really nice for any other team if, if not maybe even a starter so he's just been really impressing us this offseason not offseason spring training yeah and i think the biggest significance with tucupita is that uh you guys brought up that he would be a good trade piece and i feel like his stock is only going up in that category that uh you know if we're able to include anyone in a trade right now because of how good he's doing it would be him uh you know he's really playing well into the competition and uh you know to see his I wasn't a big Tukupita fan before all the spring training stuff, but now he's kind of like, you know, swaying my opinion. So that's a good thing. I'm happy to see he's doing good. You know, if he makes our roster good for him, that'd be a really nice depth piece. And then, uh, if he gets traded, he's going to be really good for another organization. One thing I, uh, I really like that they're doing about him, going back to what both of you guys said about him potentially being traded, is they've been playing him in different spots this year that he's never played before. He's a second base shortstop kind of guy, but we've seen him in left field, right field, and center field. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets working at third base. That's just going to up his trade value because, you know, let's say something with the Brewers doesn't happen, but you get another opportunity with another team. Let's say, I don't know, the Indians. The Indians need a lot of help in the outfield. Um, you could say, hey, we got this guy. He's a great hitter, and he can play the outfield too. He's not just a second base shortstop. You know, that could, that could be a complete difference maker if you're looking to make a deal with him. Absolutely. And he's a guy, another young player, but all this young talent, that's what that's what's so exciting about spring training, and that's what we've really got to see. Uh, but anybody else that you guys want to bring up? Um, I know there's a couple names. I, I think, Isaac, you had a guy? Yeah, this guy's sticking out like a sore thumb. DJ Abrams, man. That dude is an absolute beast. I mean, we were talking about him yesterday, and we were talking about how maybe not a lot of people have him uh, as the number one option in terms of our prospects, but he's kind of forcing our hand. Like, you know, he's hitting home runs, he's getting base hits against really good competition, and he's showing that he's going to be a force in the MLB, whether it be this year or the next. And, you know, I think we're all just as excited as I am to see him in the major league level, hopefully soon. Also, just for everyone to know that's listening, we're recording this on Monday. CJ just hit a grand slam like two hours ago. So we're pretty hyped about him. And also, if you guys haven't checked out our top 10 prospect list, we put him at one. So that was our, our bold move there. Um, I don't know. I think he's an absolute superstar in the making. Um, but, but Chase, what do you think? Do you think C.J. Abrams has just kind of cemented himself as a, very, as a clear top five prospect? Oh, absolutely. He's showing that he can run, he can field, he has an arm, he can hit for contact, he can hit for power. That's 
all five tools. You just hit an opposite field grand slam today. So showing that you got power to all fields, you know, some players don't have that, you know, he can be a very solid MLB player with the potential to be an absolute superstar. I'm obviously superstar potential and not just top prospect in our organization. I think he'd be the top prospect in all of baseball. Uh, obviously you got Wander Franco and guys like that, but I've, can't remember the last time we saw a guy who came up as meteor meteorically as CJ Abrams is right now. This guy's played like 30 games in rookie ball where he hit 400. He missed a minor league entire minor league season. That would have been really uh, integral for most guys. And now he's on the back end of that in spring training, completely dominating everyone he goes against. He's got amazing feel for the bat. Obviously, he's got 80-grade speed. He's a fantastic defender anywhere you put him. And a guy who's supposed to be, you know, a speed kind of fielding guy, he hit an opposite field grand slam today. That's huge. That's huge for him going forward. And, like, I, I just – I can't believe we've got another one of these guys. This might be, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. 2.0 for all we know. No, I think so too. And I think that he's – it's been pretty low-key how he's came up. Like, he was drafted early and everything. But he doesn't get talked about. He was the sixth pick, but he doesn't get talked about like some of the other top guys. Um, and I think maybe that's because McKenzie Gore and Tatis being in the in the system have kind of sh- like overshadowed him, which makes sense. But he's he's really special. Do do you guys think that he's going to be up next year? I think he should be up this year at one point. I mean, he's he's talented. Like to me, just like Cucupita, he's forcing he's forcing their hand. I mean, he has to be up at some point. He's just that good. You know, especially when you see how dominant he was in rookie ball. And then he comes to spring training and he's still putting up really good numbers against major league level competition, whether it's starters or backups. He's he's just he's performing at a really high level. And I feel like he should be on on the roster at some point this year and potentially starting. I, I totally agree. Ryan, who's a, who's another guy that you have that you're putting stock into? So I got a guy that's probably not very well known. Uh, within like the fan base. If you follow me on Twitter, you definitely know his name because I've made myself the president of his new fan club. I'm probably the only member right now too. But his name's Nabil Chrismat. And this is a guy who's pitched for a lot of different organizations. Mariners, Cardinals last year, we'll get into that. Uh, the Mets, I think Chase said he pitched for, might have pitched for the Nationals too. He's been a, he's been a journeyman. He's 26 years old. With the Cardinals last year, he had an ERA around three. And he was pretty solid. And what this guy brings to the table is interesting because he only throws around 89, 90 miles per hour with his fastball. But he has, with his curveball and changeup, two of the most devastating off-speed pitches I've ever seen in my entire life. And you're talking to someone who grew up watching people like Jake Peavy and right now Denelson Lamette. And this, I just can't believe we stole this guy out of nowhere. And he's performed extremely well in spring training. I think he's given up maybe one or two hits, hasn't given up a run. He has more uh, one strikeout or more in every appearance so far. And, you know, he's one of those guys where just because he doesn't light up the radar gun like someone like Dan Altavilla does, I would put Chris Matt over Altavilla right now because – with his curveball, he is unhittable for right-handers. And with his changeup, he's unhittable for left-handers. If you guys have not gone and seen highlight videos, I'm just 
look up his name on Twitter. It's kind of hard to spell, I know, but you know, one of the first videos that comes up is a 14 strikeout complete game he had with the Mariners organization 2018. And he's got this 12 to 6 curveball that breaks probably four to five feet, and he can control it. And he's got a changeup that moves like it's a knuckleball. And he's bringing that over to us right now in spring training. And I honestly would give him one of the last bullpen spots because just because he's not lighting up the radar gun doesn't mean he's not missing bats. He's missing plenty of them. And I think if you put him in AAA and you give that roster spot to someone like Alta Villa or Taylor Williams, who's not necessarily performing that well, you're going to be missing out on a huge opportunity. I see a lot of potential in this guy. Great pickup. So why do you think he's been so overlooked? Just the the velocity? Yeah, I, I I'd say his uh his velocity is definitely one of the reasons. The other one, his minor league numbers aren't the best. I think more recently, especially last year with the Cardinals, he's uh he got a lot better. And the other thing is his delivery's kind of shaky. It's uh I wouldn't say it's similar to Joey Lucchese's, but it's it's just kind of unnatural looking. And there's a lot of you know strange little movements he has in it, but it works for him. He has he has great command on his fastball, great command on his curveball, great command on his changeup. And you know, I I feel like every organization that has let this guy go is going to pay big time because you don't get a guy who can throw the off-speed pitches that he can very often. He's he might be special, not just good, but special if we use him right. Ryan, I like the enthusiasm about yeah. this guy. I'm trying. It's Nabil, huh? It's I think it's Nabil. I'm, Nabil? I'm not, yeah, and N A B I L. Okay, Nabil Chrismat. That's how you say it, right? Yeah, yeah remember C-R-I-S-M-A-T. the name. I S M A W T. All right, I'm uh, looking yeah. up after this. Calling my shot. <laughs> okay, so I think it's I think it's a good time to move to our final guy that I think we all I think we all should have stock up in this guy, and it's Jorge Mateo. He is hitting 393 so far in spring, 28 at bats. He has a couple of stolen bases. We know the speed's there. And his OPS is over a thousand. So Chase, I'll go to you, man. What do you think about Mateo? Do you think he has a chance to make this roster? Do you think he will make this roster? I think he should make this roster. I mean, he's fast as hell. He'll get us stolen bases. He can play solid defense in the outfield. He can possibly give Tati some days off at shortstop, if not Cronenworth and Kim can too. He's showing that he can hit the ball hard and hit the ball well. He's hitting for contact. The power may not turn, but if he can just hit the ball into gaps and get his doubles and triples in or just get a single and run wild on the bases, that's really all we need from him. So I think he should roster. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to lie. I can't really get that bad taste out of my mouth from last year. You know, <laughs> I think uh, he wasn't a very good ball or a very good uh, player last year. But, you know, it's a new year, and he's definitely improved in spring training. He showed some improvement. But I think one thing that stuck out to, I think, everyone throughout the season last year is his speed. Just, you know, whether it's coming off the bench to base run or even in the outfield, he was really good with his speed, and he was able to get covered a lot of ground in the outfield I mean, we saw how fast he was on the bases. So, uh, you know, it's good to see him hitting well in spring training. Good to see him, uh, you know, fielding well as well. And hopefully he can be a good depth piece to this to this, uh, to this team. You, you brought up last year, and I do have to say, he only did have 26 at-bats. Four for 26, not, not too pretty. But it's only a 26 at-bats. And, and I feel the same way. Like, you kind of question his ability as a hitter, but 
I mean, he's come out, and if that's like what you're questioning, he's done exactly what you want to see. Uh, but Ryan, what what do you think about Jorge Mateo? If you noticed, I was on my phone right now, and that's because I was desperately trying to get to his Statcast page because I wanted to bring up his uh, his exit velocity is actually pretty decent. It's it's around was it 94 miles per hour, which is for someone who hit 154. I think that kind of suggests that there's a lot more there, and that's something I heard a lot from from other people because I wasn't sold on Jorge Mateo. Was his exit velocity is pretty decent. And right now, I think he's he's showing it. He's hitting the ball very hard. He had a triple today that was just like it sounded like a gunshot. And obviously, we know about the speed. We know that he can provide defensive versatility, and that's why you know if you look at someone like Brian O'Grady, for example, even after a great day today, you know he's still pushing Brian O'Grady out of that spot because Mateo already had the leg up in speed and defense. And right now he's starting to hit, he's starting to show that, you know, the exit velocity is not necessarily a fluke or that, that great season he had in AAA in 2019. He's showing that that's more of the hitter maybe that he is than he was last year. And I hope he keeps, keeps it up because he would be huge if we had a guy like him on our bench. That's true. I mean, that's very true. I mean, we even saw him in the, in the postseason last year, or at least in, late in the season. Um, as a pinch runner, we saw him in he, we saw him in the game in some pivotal moments where he ended up scoring, and you know being a game tying run and things like that. But if he can if he can be a real outfielder and he can be out there because that's where they plan on using him, right? Because he's a true shortstop, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, if if he can be a depth outfielder, and there's so many guys like we were talking about Tukapita, there's Jorge Onya, there's Jorge, there's Jorge Mateo. Like there's so many guys. Um, but this is a good problem to have. So I like that we kind of did this stock up video. Um, if we're going to do a stock down video, that's kind of depressing. So I don't know if we'll do that one. Maybe we'll have to. Um, but I like the stock up. I like the uh, the positive outlook on this Padres team. Um, but, yeah, I think that's probably it for this segment. If you're listening on YouTube, there's going to be a segment posted tomorrow. So make sure, sure to check that out. But if you're on the podcast, just keep on listening. Um, so we're going to be talking about Luis Compensano. Now, the the reason we're talking about him is because Austin Nola was just injured. Two broken fingers, I believe, is the injury in his left hand. So Luis Camposano has a chance to really emerge and he can be he can this is kind of his first steps into becoming a major league baseball catcher. So I'll start with start out with you, Isaac. What do you think about Luis Camposano? Do you think he can become a starting catcher. Do you think he will be the primary catcher with Austin Nola out? Maybe to start, he might not be the primary catcher. I'd assume it might be Caratini just because he has more experience in the bigs. But Camposano has so much potential that we've all been waiting for because he's been, he's been a top prospect for a really long time. And, you know, at one point we had Austin Hedges, who was a top prospect. We also had Francisco Mejia, who was a top prospect. And we saw neither of them pan out as catchers. So now we have Camposano, and now we're really hoping, like, okay, hopefully this is the one, you know, kind of like a third time to charm. So he, he to me, he seems like he'll be a better hitter than Mejia. He might not have the defense that Hedges had, but we don't really need that. You know, we have, uh, I think in today's MLB, a lineup-oriented team that can hit well from one to nine is what's really going to be beneficial. So hopefully Camposano can give us that um, – that hitting ability that we need out of our catcher that Nola can provide as well. But with Nola, hopefully we can turn to Campy and he can be the guy that we expect him to be. 
So the way I see it is they're probably going to let him sit for the first couple of games just to show him how can he runs and let him handle the pitching stuff and probably get some tips from him and then try to get him a few games in, you know, maybe some in a row. Cause I think that's where the Padres failed in developing Mejia is that they would only let Mejia catch maybe like every fourth or fifth game and then use them as a bench bat. They never really let him get multiple at bats in a row against MLB pitching. So if they let Campy do that, I think he can run away with the starting job. I remember the first time I saw uh, like a highlight video of Luis Camposano hitting. And I remember the first person he reminded me of, and I'm not saying he's going to be as good, obviously, but was Albert Pujols. And he's just got that swing. He's got that explosive power. He hits the ball really hard. He He's like really good at controlling the zone too, which is something that I don't think he gets a lot of uh, of credit for. Um, more stri- sorry, more walks than strikeouts um, in that 20, I believe 2019 season where he won uh, California League MVP, hit 325, 15 home runs. This guy is a ridiculous hitter. I think that season, honestly, he was a better hitter than Fernando Tatis Jr. was in any of his minor league seasons. And after watching this guy, I think he has the potential to be one of, if not the top offensive catcher in the game. He, he's just got ridiculous offensive potential that I don't think um, he gets enough credit for. And I think he's going to turn a lot of heads. He's got a huge opportunity here with Nola out maybe one to two months with a finger fracture. You never know how bad that's going to be, especially in his receiving hand. Um, he's got a great mentor in Caratini. And I think uh, the combination of Camposano's offensive uh, potential, the fact that he should be ready to hit MLB pitching, and the fact that he's got one of the best game callers in Major League Baseball to kind of mentor him and help him work with a very talented pitching staff, I think by 2022 or the offseason going into next season, we're not going to be talking about the potential of Luis Camposano. I think we're going to be talking about which teams need a major league starting catcher outside of us so we can trade Austin Nola to them and have Luis Camposano start. That definitely seems like what the Padres want to have happen. Because, I mean, we've seen that like these really good elite prospects, those are the guys they want to build this team around, the Luis Camposano's the C.J. Abrams, the Fernando Tatises, those guys are who they want to build this team around. Um, I like that you you just bring up how great of a hitter is he, he is. And looking at his three at-bats in the MLB, one of them is a home run. You brought up how good he was in 2019, and, and you said that he had a better hitting season than Tatis ever did in the minor leagues. And I don't think Tatis ever even hit 300 in the minor leagues. So putting up those numbers with those tools, I think it's extremely – like exciting for us because this guy is like, he's not even talked about like these other guys and he did get in trouble and stuff. And maybe that kind of like put him off to the side a little bit, but I mean, he's been balling out. I mean, he's, he's a guy that is going to have a chance to be the starting catcher on a really good team. And he might just be a fantastic bat and hit in the bottom of the order still. And I think that's something that's really exciting to look forward to. Um, Also talking about the acquisition of Caratini, that's a massive now when we look at it with Austin Nolan going down, like we really would have been like in a bad spot if it was just Campo back there, but having Caratini to mentor him and kind of, you know, in, in the early part of the season, I think that's huge. Um, and we're going to look, we're going to, I think we're going to look back on the U Darvish trade and still call it the U Darvish trade, but the Caratini part of that trade is still a super big deal. And it was 
never really discussed when it happened. Oh, you know, it's just this backup catcher, but he's someone that for a guy like Luis Compensano, that can help him be a better game, like uh game caller at the catcher position and just really excel from the, from the jump defensively. So I like it a lot. Uh, but anything else you guys want to add about Luis Compensano? Well, uh, not necessarily about Camposano, but you brought up Caratini at the end. And one thing people forget is 2019, he had an OPS of almost 800. It was, I think, 794. This is a switch hitting catcher that had a great offensive season, you know, two years ago. I think on a solid portion of most MLB teams, he'd probably be the starting catcher. On many teams, he would. That's I think that's why that trade was so crazy, because it was like, Oh, we we're getting you Darvish for almost nothing, and like also we're getting this guy that's like maybe a starting caliber catcher. <laughs> like he'll at least catch two two out of it like every five games. Like it's still crazy to me. But Chase Isaac, anything you guys want to add? All right, awesome. So thanks everyone for listening to this episode. Um, if you're just listening to this segment, go back. Uh, we had a couple episodes earlier with Ryan, and then we also just had our top thirty prospect rankings, and those are dispersed into three separate videos but if you're just listening for the first time make sure to sub make sure to like subscribe all you know all that stuff um but thanks again everyone for listening and we will talk to you soon we will have padres content all season long